हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द एट्थ एपिसोड ऑफ मॉडर्न इंडियन हिस्ट्री टुडे वी विल टॉक अबाउट द ब्रिटिश कॉन्क्वेस्ट इन इंडिया इन माइसोर कर्नाटक एंड मराठा सो लेट्स बिगिन विथ माइसोर एंड कर्नाटक एक्चुअली लेट्स बिगिन विथ एंग्लो फ्रेंच राइवलरी इन इंडिया Guys, that was my mutant friend Wapnel, and he's dumb. Always keeps on doing these weird things. He says he's high on life, but I think he's high on something else. So without delay, let's begin from where Wapnel left. Wapnel was talking about the British conquest of southern India, which is a very interesting topic. I want to talk also. Will you not let me talk? Sit down, but. Talk clearly. Okay. In 1740, India appeared to be relatively tranquil. In the north, the Persian Nadir Shah's invasion of 1739 had proved to be only a large-scale raid. In the Deccan, the Nizam al-Mulk provided some measure of stability. In western India, the Marathas were dominant. However there was competition between Marathas Mughals and local rulers for political supremacy in the Deccan there was a sense of impending change in the air the Mughal emperor was sickly the Nizam was aged and the Marathas were active and ambitious to the British East India Company context for expansion in the south was provided by the Anglo French rivalry In southern India conditions were gradually becoming favorable to the foreign adventurers while the central authority had disappeared from there after Aurangzeb's death the strong hand of Nizam ul-Mulk Asaf Jah was also withdrawn by his death in 1748 moreover the Maratha chiefs regularly invaded Hyderabad and the rest of the south collecting chot These raids resulted in politically unsettled conditions and administrative disorder. The English had eliminated their Portuguese and Dutch rivals, but France had appeared as a new rival. For nearly 20 years from 1744 to 1763, the French and English were to wage a bitter war for control over the trade and territory of India. The French East India Company as you might remember was founded in 1664 it was formally established at Chandranagore near Calcutta and Pondicherry on the east coast The French had actually established a pretty good fort in Pondicherry and Chandranagore The stage thus set the English decided that the french indian trade was too powerful to be left alone the neutrality of previous years was therefore abandoned both sides depended on sea power for success but it was the french who moved first with an improvised fleet from mauritius they drove the british in alarm to bengal and captured madras after a week siege in september 1746 At this stage the French position was also weakened by the differences between Dupleix and Admiral La Bordemine 
who returned to Mauritius after surrendering Madras. In September 1746, Dupleix led a second attack on Madras, which capitulated, and this was followed by a siege of Fort Saint David, a minor English possession to the south of Pondicherry. Both before this could drag on any further, the end of hostilities in Europe by the Treaty of Aix-la-Chapelle brought an end to the first round of Anglo-French conflicts in India. The English possessions in India were returned, while the French got back their North American possessions. The succession disputes at both Karnataka and Hyderabad provided the context for the second round of Anglo-French conflict in the South. These disputes brought the French Governor General Dupleix an opportunity to intervene in Indian politics and secure thereby important territorial and financial concessions. The French supported Chandra Sahib for the throne of Karnataka and Muzaffar Jung for the Hyderabad, while the English supported their rival candidates. Both the French candidates emerged victorious and Muzaffar Jung, the new Nizam of Hyderabad, granted substantial territorial concessions to the French in the form of a Jagir to the northern Sarkars, Masuli Patnam and some villages around Pondicherry and significant control in this court through of the appointment of a French agent. This alarmed the English. A strong force arrived from Calcutta under Robert Clive and the Second Carnatic War began in 1752. The English this time emerged victorious. Clive's occupation of Aircut was followed by the release of Muhammad Ali, who was now placed on the throne of Carnatic. Dupleix tried to retrieve French possession, but the French government became displeased with him, particularly because of the financial losses he was recalled in 1754. His failure against the English can be explained in the terms of various factors, such as his own wrong moves and miscalculations. It was followed by the Third Indo-French War in the South, which was called the Seven Year Wars from 1756 to 1763, in the end of which French were without a toehold in India. A number of factors can be cited to explain this ultimate decisive French defeat. But the most important factor is that the French company heavily dependent on the French government for finances and it was run by corrupt officers who were appointed by noblemen of a corrupt French government. This brings us to the question of company's relationship with the other Indian rulers. The Indian states in the 18th century were perpetually involved in mutual conflicts. Their urges for territory and territorial expansion was for gaining control over new resources because internally in many areas a limit had been reached for the extraction of fresh revenue. Politically, each one was trying to establish supremacy over the other and the English were looked upon as a new force in this power game.
combining as a nation against an alien power was beyond the imagination of the indian princes in the 18th century political context it was no wonder therefore that often they entered into diplomatic alliances with the company in order to turn the balance of power in their favor in their contests against neighbors this rivalry between the indian states offered an opportunity while commercial interests provided a sufficient motivation for the english intervention in local politics like we have seen in bengal however as the following story would suggest the company was not just responding to opportunities as suggested by some historians no after clive settlement in 1765 the east india company had no desire for any further acquisitions its object was still trade it regarded the acquisition of bengal as a political framework for the safe conduct of trade justified by the danger of mere anarchy in its most profitable scene of operations but such a resolution was easier to make than to keep indian states were ever ready to seek european help in achieving their own projects M- many of the company's servants looked longingly at territorial revenues that might assist them and own enrichment and the exigencies of indian politics at the time had non alignment difficult to observe whatever the reason be the east india company had by 1772 become an important indian power and its directors in england and its officials in india set out to consolidate their control over bengal before beginning a new round of conquest so in 1766 they joined the nizam of hyderabad in attacking hyder ali of mysore but hyder ali forced the madras council to sign a peace treaty on his own terms then in 1775 the english clashed with the marathas an intense struggle for power was taking place at that time among the marathas between the supporters of infant peshwa madhav rao too led by nana fadnes and raghunath rao the british officials in bombay decided to intervene on behalf of raghunath rao they hoped thus to repeat the exploits of their countrymen in madras and bengal and reap the consequent monetary advantages this involved them in a long war with the maratha which lasted from 1775 to 1782 This was a dark hour indeed for the British power in India. All the Maratha chiefs were uni- united behind the Peshwas and his chief minister Nana Fadnes the southern Indian powers had long been resenting the presence of British among them and Hyder Ali and the Nizam chose this moment to declare war against the company. Thus 
the british were faced with the powerful combination of the marathas mysore and hyderabad abroad they were waging a losing war in their colonies in america where the people had rebelled in 1776 they also had to counter the determined design of the french to exploit the difficulties of their old rival the british in india were however led at this time by the energetic and experienced governor general warren hastings he acted with firm resolve and determination neither side won victory and the war came to a standstill peace was concluded in 1782 with the treaty of salbai by which the status quo was maintained it saved the british from the combined opposition of the indian powers this war is known in history as the first anglo maratha war it did not end in victory for either side but it gave the british 20 years of peace with the marathas the strongest indian power of the day the british utilized this period to consolidate their rule over bengal presidency while the maratha chiefs frittered away their energy in bitter mutual squabbles moreover the treaty of salbai enabled the british to exert pressure on mysore as the marathas promised to help them in recovering the territories from hyder ali once again the british were successful in dividing the indian powers in the meanwhile war with hyder ali had again started in 1780 repeating his earlier exploits hyder ali inflicted one defeat after another on the british armies in the carnatic and forced them to surrender in large numbers he soon occupied almost the whole of carnatic but once again british arms and diplomacy saved the day warren hastings bribed the nizam with secession of guntur district and gained his withdrawal from anti-british alliance during 1781-82 he made peace with the marathas and thus freed a large part of his army for use against mysore in july 1781 the british army under air coot defeated hyder ali at porto novo and saved madras after hyder ali's death in december 1782 the war was carried on by his son tipu sultan since neither side was capable of overpowering the other peace was signed by them in march 1784 and both sides restored all conquests the third british encounter with mysore was more fruitful from the british point of view the peace of 1784 had not removed the grounds for struggle between tipu and the british it had merely postponed the struggle the authorities of the east india company were acutely hostile to tipu they looked upon him as their most formidable rival in the south and as the chief obstacle standing between them and complete domination over south india tipu on his part thoroughly disliked the english and saw them as the chief danger to his own independence and nursed the ambition to expel them from india war between the two 
began again in 1789 and ended in Tipu's defeat in 1792. By the Treaty of Seringapatam, Tipu ceded half his territories to English and their allies and paid 330 lakhs of rupees as indemnity. Dude, the Pitts Act of 1784 reiterated the company's own intentions by forbidding aggressive wars and annexation. Lord Cornwallis and his successor, John Shore, were eager to comply, but Cornwallis nevertheless found himself involved in the Third Mysore War with Tipu Sultan, who possessed his father's ability without his judgment. The cause for a combination of Tipu Sultan's intransigence with conflicting obligations undertaken by the Madras government. It took three campaigns before Cornwallis could bring Tipu Sultan to bay. Half his dominions were annexed, but more for precaution than as an exercise in imperialism. But Tipu Sultan remained formidable and not unnaturally more hostile than ever. At that point, a radical change occurred in British policy. The causes were principally responsible. There was a growing body of opinion within the country that only British control of India could end the constant wars and provide really satisfactory conditions for trade. Full dominion would be economical as well as salutary. The more compelling immediate cause was the transformation of European politics by the French Revolution. A new French threat to India emerged. It was certain that a French army under such a leader like Napoleon would find many friends in India to welcome it, not least Tipu Sultan. So for a precautionary measure, the British had to annex the whole subcontinent. You need to understand the white man's burden here. Seems like Vapnil has only read the imperial history of modern India. That's why his views are aligned with the British history. This is actually one of the biggest problems of history. Because different historians have different visions of the same events. Normally depends on their personal interests and often nationality comes in the way of rational historical representation. Anyways, the fourth Anglo-Mysore war was between English and Tipu Sultan, which was in the period of 1792 to 1799 to recoup their losses tipu fulfilled all his terms of the treaty of serangapatam and got his sons released in 1796 when the hindu ruler of wodeyar dynasty died tipu refused to place wodeyar's minor son on the throne and declared himself sultan he also decided to avenge his humiliating defeat and the terms put by treaty of serangapatam 
In 1798, Lord Wellesley succeeded John Shore as the new Governor General. An imperialist to the core, Wellesley was concerned about Tipu's growing friendship with the French and aimed to aimed at annihilating Tipu's independent existence or force him to submission through the system of subsidiary alliance. The Britishers had already used subsidiary alliance to annex Karnatic and Hyderabad. Through the process of subsidiary alliance, the king of a dynasty was completely dependent on the British soldiers. He had to pay for the upkeep of the British army and he had to keep the British army in his own land. This way, the Britishers subjugated the English princes and kings. Tipu wasn't ready to get in the subsidiary alliance because he knew that it was just a tactic of Britishers. Get away with Tipu Sultan's freedom. This led to the War of 1799, which was the final Anglo-Mysore War. The war began on April 17th, 1799 and ended on May 4th, 1799 with the fall of Serangapatam. Tipu was defeated first by English General Stuart and then by General Harris. Arthur Wellesley, the brother of Lord Wellesley, also participated in the war. The English were given help by the Marathas and the Nizam. The Marathas had been promised half of the territory of Tipu and the Nizam had already signed the subsidiary alliance. Tipu laid down his life fighting bravely. His family members were interned at Velour and his treasures were confiscated by English. The English chose a boy from earlier Hindu royal family of Mysore as the Maharaja and also imposed on him the subsidiary alliance. <laughs> Whatever you call it man, I just call it smart business. Yes, you can call it a good business. In some ways, the ways of Britishers can be said to be too advanced for the time and they used good administrative skills to conquer the major portion of India. I think we have talked a lot in this episode and we should end it here. Next episode, I will talk about the Maratha annexation and the Sindh and Punjab, which will round up the complete story of expansion of British in India. Dude, don't you want to tell them more about me? I don't think they might have heard a alien before. Honestly, bro, I don't want to talk about it right now. Maybe in some other episode. Okay. Thank you for listening to the episode of Modern Indian History. Hope you liked the episode. You can message me on Instagram or send me an email with your corrections, recommendations. Share and subscribe the podcast if you think others should listen to it.